It's good to be with you this evening. It's an honor, it's an honor, Pastor, to have an opportunity to share the word on Sunday night. It's an honor because there have been some great milestones in my personal walk with Jesus that have happened during Sunday night worship services. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, Sunday night. Call to ministry, Sunday night. Sunday night is a great time to gather around the word, the word and be set for the week ahead. I want to share with you the story briefly of Josephine and Earl Dixon. They were newlyweds. We have some newlyweds here, by the way. The Linsets, Skylar and Letitia. So here, so it's cool about Josephine and Earl. They were newlyweds a century before you, in 1920. Now, if Pastor were preaching tonight, talking about newlyweds in 1920, Pastor might make a joke that some older church member here may have been at the wedding. But that's if Pastor were preaching. So Josephine and Earl Dixon were newlyweds in 1920. They lived in Highland Park, New Jersey. And poor Josephine, she, mar she makes her mark on history for not the greatest of reasons. Josephine makes her mark on history as a person who is clumsy in the kitchen. She would frequently cut or burn or scrape her hand while she was preparing meals in the kitchen. And Earl would help his wife out by bandaging her wounds. See, Earl, he worked for a company that produced sterile cotton products for medical reasons. So when Josephine would have a cut, a burn, or a scrape, he would use some of the cotton from work to bandage up her wounds. As the story has been told, and some of you are already fact-checking this using your cell phones, as the story is told, Josephine's clumsiness in the kitchen was not once in a while, it was like every day. And frequently these injuries would happen while Earl was at work. So what Earl did for his new bride is he took adhesive tape, which I guess they had in 1920, he took a long strip of adhesive tape and every few inches, he placed a little bit of sterile cotton. And so when Josephine would get a cut, a scrape, or a burn, when Earl was at work, she could simply cut off the next piece and she could bandage her own wound. Wow. Well. This proved to be such a wonderful idea in the Dixon home that Earl thought he might bring it to his employer. And his employer is still an employer today. They're known as Johnson & Johnson. And the company took up the idea of a do-it-yourself, at-home, self-application, personal bandage. And the Johnson & Johnson Marketing Company thrust the product onto the market by sending boxes of these products to Boy Scout troops all over America. This is, of course, the product that we now know as the Band-Aid. Tonight's message is called Spiritual Band-Aids. 
spiritual band-aids. Who knew that Josephine was testing a prototype for what we now know as the band-aid? The band-aid's an amazing product. It's an amazing product. Simple. Best products are often simple. Simple because it's, it's small, it's sterile, and it actually helps heal the wound because of the adhesive that helps to close the wound back up. We all would, would agree tonight that the Band-Aid is a simple and effective product for minor scrapes, cuts, and wounds. We also would agree that the Band-Aid is ineffective for most critical, life-threatening injuries. If you arrive tonight by ambulance over at Salem Health at the emergency room with a broken bone or a deep bleeding gash somewhere on your body or a gunshot wound, and you walked in or you were carried in on a stretcher by ambulance and the responding physician in the emergency room were to say, here's a Band-Aid. We would say that that doctor is committing malpractice. The Band-Aid is inefficient. I want you to look at what the prophet Jeremiah wrote a message through God about 2,500 years ago. If you've got your Bibles tonight, always great to bring your word with you to church. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. Jeremiah 6, 14. This is where we're going to camp out for just a couple of minutes tonight. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. They, we're going to talk about who they are in just a moment. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. They offer superficial treatments, Band-Aids, for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. 2,500 years ago, Jeremiah uses an analogy that made sense to his original audience then, and we're going to see that it makes sense to us now. now Jeremiah, he's not writing a medical journal. Jeremiah is using a medical illustration that makes sense to all of us to describe a spiritual crisis. Jeremiah uses a medical illustration to help us understand a spiritual crisis. People using superficial treatments, band-aids, to cover up deep separation from God. People convincing themselves they're good with God when they're really not. Now, if we have any stewards of the brand name Band-Aid from Johnson & Johnson here tonight, I understand there are other companies who make this product. Spiritual Band-Aids just seem to pack a little bit more punch than spiritual adhesive Band-Aid. Bandage generic brand. Let's unpack what God wants to communicate in this message about superficial treatments to life-threatening wounds. Here's what was happening in Israel in history when God gave this message to Jeremiah for the people. Jeremiah lived about 600 years before Christ. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, which simply means a spokesperson for God. In fact, God had this desire for Jeremiah before Jeremiah was even born. 
Where do we find evidence for that? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Flip back a couple of pages. God said this about Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Church, God values life in the womb. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah. You, before you were born, I set you apart and anointed you as my prophet to the nations. When the Bible describes historical seasons, when God called a prophet to be a spokesperson, it was most often at a time when the population was rejecting God. People as individuals each making their own free will decision to reject God, and so collectively the population is rejecting God. Let me tell you, the Old Testament prophet calling is unattractive to the person who craves popularity. The Old Testament prophet calling is unattractive to the person who craves popularity. In fact, the word prophet is almost synonymous with unpopular. Jeremiah was not popular. People did not like what Jeremiah had to say. Jeremiah was simply speaking out loud the message that God was giving him. But it's easier to be angry with the messenger than the one who gives the message. The people they tortured, imprisoned, and even tried to kill Jeremiah. If, if pastor or anyone on our team is up here delivering a message or a guest speaker and they are preaching with the Bible, which by the way is what we do here at People's Church, if we're preaching from the Bible and you have a problem with the, what the message is that's being preached, as long as it's rooted in the Bible, your problem is not with the person who's standing at the pulpit, it's with God. But it's easier to be, angrier, to be angry with the mailman than the one who sent the mail. Jeremiah, though, he valued his relationship with his heavenly father so much that Jeremiah chose to do what would bring him closer to God over what would make him popular with the people. How many of us, how many of us could say that about ourselves? That's challenging. It's challenging for us to say, you know what, God, I am more interested in doing what is pleasing to you than what makes me popular with those who are around me. God gives Jeremiah this, this burden, this heavy heart for the people. And some of you, some of us are looking at what's happening in our society today. And your heart would be heavy like Jeremiah's. You see a culture that is increasing in its rejection of God. You have a burden. You're saying, I have to do something. I have to say something. My prayer is often like maybe your prayer is, God, increase my burden for the spiritually lost in my city. You know, God has placed us here in Salem, Oregon to be difference makers here. Father, increase our burden for the lost in our city. Increase our burden. This is the love, this burden that compels missionaries to go to countries where they don't know anybody. And it's even dangerous to be a Christian. It's a burden 
that there are eternal consequences for life with Christ and that everyone deserves to hear about Jesus. Let's break down the message. God gave the people through Jeremiah. It was a warning for them then and for us now. Just scroll back one verse from where we started. Jeremiah 6, this is verse 13. From the least to the greatest, their lives are ruled by greed. From prophets to priests, they are all frauds. There was a greed problem. There was a greed problem. Greed is the intense, selfish, unquenchable desire for more power, wealth, popularity, or stuff. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to see the problem here. A culture where greed is the primary driving reason for living is not a healthy culture. No one would say, you know what, I would really love to live in a neighborhood where everyone is in it for themselves, putting their own interest above all others at all costs. No one would say, you know what we need more of? We need more greedy people. We need more people who are willing to step out and be unethical, immoral, and violent to get what they want. If you've ever been responsible for hiring an employee or recruiting servant leaders, you have not said to others, you know what, I really hope we can find someone who excels in greed. <laughs> Jeremiah then calls out a specific group, the spiritual leaders. Jeremiah says the spiritual leaders are driven by greed. Church, <laughs> You do not want to be part of a faith community where the spiritual leader has greed as their driving motivation. And so as a result of being motivated by greed, this is what was happening. Verse 14. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound band-aids. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Again, Jeremiah is not writing an article for WebMD or MayoClinic.org. He's using a medical illustration for a spiritual truth. In this illustration, the mortal wound is rebellion against God. The mortal wound is knowing what is right according to God and doing the opposite anyway. The mortal wound is understanding God's way and choosing to live another way. <laughs> we have a very simple word for this, a three-letter word, sin. The mortal wound in this illustration represents sin. God's desire for the spiritual leaders then and now is to lead people away from sin. God's desire for spiritual leaders is to lead the people away from sin. But instead of encouraging people to be more like God, the spiritual leaders are saying, it's okay. You don't have anything to worry about. Keep on living the way that you're living. To help understand how devastating this is, God gives this message to Jeremiah that what's happening spiritually, what's happening spiritually is similar to showing up at the emergency room with a life-threatening injury and being presented by the surgeon with a Band-Aid and saying, here, dab on a little Neosporin, put on this Band-Aid, and you'll be fine in a couple of days. If a surgeon did that, they would be leading a patient to physical death. And some of you already know where this is going. 
What was happening then and what certainly can happen now is that others can lead us to a spiritual death by putting Band-Aids on our sin. Superficial treatments are an analogy for dismissing or excusing sin. Superficial treatments are an analogy for dismissing or excusing sin. We can ruin our lives when we allow others to convince us everything's good. God wants you to be happy. Discover your own truth. No matter how opposed that truth may be to God's truth. You're good with God. Even though deep down inside we know what we're doing or how we're living is actually separating us from God and has the potential to devastate our life and the lives of the people we care about. We can convince ourselves that if we can find enough people to affirm our sin, that we'll be comforted. Band-Aids. Websites or books or spiritual leaders or politicians that take scripture out of context to affirm a way that is not God's way. Band-Aids. Professors who convince college students that the Bible is outdated and irrelevant, and as a result, it's not necessary to seek Christ. Band-Aid. Friends or family who tell us there are no consequences, live whatever lifestyle you choose. Band-Aid. A manager who pushes us to do something unethical under the cover of a phrase like, that's just how business is done. Everybody in the industry does it this way. Band-Aid. You know this as well as I do. We also, we don't need someone else to always give us the Band-Aid. We're pretty good at giving ourselves these Band-Aids. We're pretty good at convincing ourselves that there's peace when there is no peace. We have a, a prompting that engaging in that gossip circle or that text thread, it's not a big deal. Even though we know it's not God-honoring, we just keep diving in. I heard someone say, I'm really not into gossip. I just want to know everyone else's prayer requests. We know it's not beneficial to go there on Friday nights, so we ignore that still small voice that tells us you're going to regret this on Saturday morning. We tell ourselves it's okay to keep on watching, keep on looking, no one will find out. Maybe we even pray, Jesus, if you could just look the other way for the next five to ten minutes. Here's another piece of this. How often, and this is, I'm in this group too, how often have we been guilty of being the giver of a spiritual band-aid? You and I, we, we look at what's happening in the life of a family member or a friend and we can see that sin is already or has the potential to cause devastation in their lives. But we don't say anything. Or maybe we take the easy way out and just affirm the behavior because we don't want to get into that moment of being uncomfortable. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Assurance of peace when there is no peace. 
Church family, here's what I want for us. Reject superficial treatments for our mortal wounds. My desire for us as a church family is that you and I would reject superficial treatments for our mortal wounds. Let's be people who trust that God's way is the best way, even if it's not the easy way. Let's be people who reject excuses for sin. Let's trust that God's way brings the most peace, even if it's not the most popular. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's be people, let's be a community that affirms or reaffirms that that voice of the Holy Spirit will guide all of our choices and all of our thought life. Here's how God downloaded this concept we've been talking about to Jeremiah in verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you replied, no, that's not the road we want. We'll finish up with that last line in just a second, but let's go back to the beginning of this. God says, stop at the crossroads. It was laid on my heart that someone in here, the word that you need to hear tonight, and maybe it's someone who's watching online, the word you need to hear tonight is stop. You have all these voices. You have your own voice. You have what you're reading online. People are weighing in to the choice that you have. Start, stop, go, stay, buy, sell, move in, move out. And God is simply saying to you tonight, okay, stop. Before you plow through, stop. Stop at the crossroads. The crossroads is the decision moment. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. The crossroads is a moment that I believe that you and I, we actually come up on these many times daily. A decision. We come up on a decision that we have to make. I have a choice to make right now. Am I going to make the choice that aligns me with Jesus? <laughs> Am I going to make the choice I would make if Jesus in the flesh were standing next to me right now? Or am I going to offer a spiritual band-aid to myself or find someone else to give me a spiritual band-aid to affirm away a choice that is not from God? <laughs> what God desires from you and me in that moment Stop. Look around. Consider what am I really about to do? What are the consequences of the choice that I'm about to make? God, what is your way in this situation? And church, God's direction is always going to align with his word. God is never going to prompt you to do something that is against his word. God is never going to prompt you to cheat on your spouse. The Holy Spirit is never going to guide you to be unethical at your workplace. God's direction 
when you stop at the moment, is always going to align with his word. And when you know God's way, God simply says, travel that path. What's the result? How many of you in this room tonight would say that you are a results-driven person? Results-driven person. We want to see results. If I'm going to put in the time, if I'm going to put in the effort, if I'm going to put in the energy, I want to see the result. So what is the result? The result of aligning your actions or our actions, words, and thoughts with Christ is rest for your soul. It's no longer peace where there is no peace. This is God saying this, not me. God says when you travel this path, you will find rest for your souls. You know, Jesus, he actually said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Some of us carried a burden in here tonight. Maybe it's a sin burden. Maybe it's something that's been public. Maybe it's a burden that you've been carrying privately or secretly. But it's heavy. And you'd say it's making you weary. It's exhausting. The regret, the guilt, the anger, the bitterness, the fear, or whatever about what's happening now or what's happened in the past. Jesus, my friends, he invited us to stop carrying the burden. Through his death on the cross, Jesus took away the sin burden. In Jeremiah's day, God saw a generation that rejected the road that leads to rest. The last part of that verse. God speaking to that generation, he said, but you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Your thoughts your words and your actions, send the message loud and clear that you are not interested in the path that leads to rest. God gave the message. Here's the path that will lead to rest for your soul. Please, travel this way. 2,500 years ago, they replied, that's not the road we want. Some of us, many of us, part of this conversation tonight we've tried the band-aids and we found it didn't work there were friends family members tv shows movies podcasts politicians who affirmed or approved what was happening in our life and we tried to convince ourselves that we were good with god but we knew deep down inside that what we were doing or thinking did not align with Christ. Many of us would say that at some point in our life, and maybe we didn't use this exact phrase, some of us, we would say there was a point in our history where we made the decision, no more Band-Aids. Instead, we invited God to do some spiritual surgery. We invited our loving Heavenly Father to work from the inside out. We said, God, cleanse me from the inside out. Our worship team is gonna begin to play and I'm gonna invite you to respond in just a moment. 
What is your reply? God said, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your soul. What is our reply tonight? What is our reply tonight? At the crossroads, will you look or are you looking for a spiritual band-aid to dismiss and suppress what you know is not from God? Or, or will you choose the godly way and walk in it?